I'm Jordan. And I'm Donnie. And this is a podcast about the stuff in our New York City apartment. How we find it. Where we put it. And why we're into it. Welcome to Apartment 26. This is an episode that reaches far back into time. Yeah, ghosts of kitchens past. <laughs> like to last summer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. When we came home from Arizona. Mm-hmm. And while we were in Arizona, you had used Dylan's griddle pan a number of times. That's true. I did do that. So a griddle was something I had been considering for a little while. Uh, my dad has one. My friend Sue has one. They swear by them for pancakes. And I was like, whatever. They're always like big and massive. My mom has been trying to buy me one for a really long time. And I was like, why would I have a pan that only makes pancakes? Yeah. Well, the griddles, at least that my family's always had. I don't know what Sue has. Um, Sue, you can write in and uh, tell us. I've been watching a lot of old HGTV, as you know, from our last episode. So I'm obsessed with this idea of the write-ins that happen at the end. (laughs) Um, because HETV just had a P.O. box to which you would write your questions, comments, or concerns. And please include your daytime phone number. Any event, uh, the griddle that my dad has had for pretty much as long as I've been alive and continues to use is like a maybe Black & Decker. They make kitchen stuff too, right? Yes, but side note, what if you could just address a letter to apartment 26 and it would come here? Pretty wild. That's all. Uh, yeah, Black & Decker does make kitchen stuff. Usually, though, like, if you have a Black & Decker griddle, it's a, um, like, electric one. Yeah, that's what my dad has. Okay. And has had for quite a long time. Um, <clears throat> they really likes it. Uh, it's cooked pancakes on it since forever. It squares by it. So I was like, eh, you know, whatever. Then, but the one that Dylan has that you were using is not an electric griddle. It's just, like, a regular pan that you put on the stove. Correct. Yeah, yeah. That's what I used in Arizona, and turns out the hype is real. Uh, griddles are great for pancakes and many other things. So when I got home, uh, after bawling out on the hemp shower curtain, <laughs> I was like, you know what else I'm going to buy? A griddle pan. So I did. I bought one. It was like eco-friendly-ish. It's called Green Pan, the brand. Yeah. Um, I've been obsessed with this idea since we, like had that spasm in Target that one time and replaced all of our pots and pans mm-hmm. of trying to find a sustainable, uh, what is that called? Cookware brand? Yeah. And haven't yet. Um, Green Pan is like eco-friendly, I guess, and doesn't like put chemicals into your body, which is good, but their sustainability is unclear from... Mm-hmm their website sort of so it's like the best i could find at the time yeah but i'm still not stoked on the options that oh I yeah found. that's what it is the like chemical film that makes it non-stick is it's ceramic so it's not like teflon or chemicals it's like the properties of the ceramic yeah um and i mean the hype about that is pretty real it stayed non-stick it's got a little staining on it from stuff that's gotten burned and that hasn't been able to come out uh but i mean that happens to like teflon non-stick shit too but in terms of remaining non-stick, we've been using it now for a little less than a year, and it's held up 
just being ceramic and chilling. So would recommend. Was a good investment, and uh, would recommend griddles to anyone sitting on the fence. Cool. So another thing that happened when we came home was that composting at the green markets had been discontinued. Dun, dun, dun. Because obviously for a while it was unsafe. Yeah. And then um, the budget for it had been cut. Yeah. In the city for COVID relief and like other various things, which I mean, COVID relief is very important. We're not like dissing that. But I was really surprised at how much I missed it. Mm-hmm. And how suddenly obvious it was that, like, we rely on it very heavily for our food waste. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I looked around all over the place for somewhere near us that we could compost. And it was really hard to find an option. Like, those green market composting things are very important to the community. But I did find a blog post about making your own compost box for your kitchen (laughs) and it was supposed to be like odor free and like leak free it'll be odor free she said (laughs) it'll be bug free she said (laughs) like the person in the blog post was keeping it under their couch okay (laughs) (laughs) so I don't know. Donnie let me try it. It was what coconut core and like biochar, mm-hmm. I think. And the idea was that like so we've looked into compost bins before and I just really don't think we can have worms in here. Like mm-hmm. I know people have indoor worm compost and I just don't think it's for us. I actually hate worms. I don't know if I've like come out and said this on the <laughs> podcast, but like Jordan is strongly anti-worm. I don't I'm afraid of them, but I'm deeply grossed out by them. And I understand that they exist as a very important part of, like, the ecosystem for every human. And I acknowledge that. I just don't want them in my house. Yeah, I mean, I don't really care. I would have worms in here. But Jordan's evidently very much against it. Wait, I'm the one who's keeping us from having worms? I mean, yeah, I don't really care about them. But... Okay, well, we'll discuss that later. But basically, yeah. I wanted this... I mean, it seems um, to be a no issue now that compost is back. This, like, anaerobic... Well, that was a spoiler. Oh. Because we're, we're making the compost box. That's the part <laughs> of the narrative we're in. Anyways, <laughs> so you put the biochar and the coconut core in the box. It's like a, you're supposed to use a paper box so that it can breathe. Because the whole thing about compost is, like, airflow mm. and, like biodegrading you've been just talking about it again <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was such a project also, you came in here with a bad attitude <laughs> I did not come in here with a bad attitude um, also what was funny is coconut core can only seemingly be bought in bulk so we got a massive, massive block of coconut core yeah you needed like 2 pounds of coconut core but you can only buy them in blocks of 10 pounds <laughs> Uh, I was able to donate it to one of the gardens I typically work with uh, over the summer. So that ended well. Actually, so coconut core is really good for amending your soils or if you're going to make your own potting mix, that's Mm -hmm. something you can use because peat is not a particularly sustainable product, but coconut core is. It's like the like stuff that it's like the hairy stuff that comes off coconut shells yeah so in all of the other instances the coconut is processed it's like removed and so coconut core is a more sustainable product to use and it serves the same function of like absorbing water 
Yeah. Um, which is good for potting mixes and also for compost because it was supposed to like absorb the liquid juices, whereas the biochar was supposed to like neutralize the shit. Yeah. So we mixed it up and you're supposed to wet it to like start the process. So we did that and we started putting our composting things in there and then you're supposed to cover it with a piece of fabric and we have like all of this fabric scrap so Mm -hmm. i covered it with like an old flannel shirt um and then you mix it you're supposed to like stir um i don't think anything biodegraded no we definitely got fruit flies yeah and it definitely smelled yeah the uh tipping point I don't know. I think you were at an appointment. Maybe you're getting your desk. Maybe you're just in here. But anyway, I was in the kitchen doing whatever it was I was doing. And one of the corners of the boxes had gotten so saturated that it broke and leaked. <laughs> and so I was just like, fuck it. Fuck it. It's gone. And I just picked it up and carried it down to the trash and threw it out. <laughs> I... <clears throat> understand and i do not fault you for that (laughs) but i wish we could have made it work and i like would try something different again like worms i mean if uh, we've never had a real discussion about worms because i thought that you didn't want worms in here either but like if you want to talk about worms i guess we can um i would look into a product like that i mean as donnie mentioned our um neighborhood compost came back so that's what we've been doing again and that's been working for us but i mean i'm down to compost yeah if you think we can i mean i just don't know that we can i mean i'm not against worms not really against any system besides when we tried i would try other stuff it just feels like a lot of extra work on top of existing right now (laughs) Yeah, I'm not saying that worms are a good idea. I actively think worms are a bad idea. But I thought we both understood that worms were a bad idea. (laughs) I was unaware that you were of a different opinion. Of worms? Yeah. Mm. And that it required discussion. (laughs) TK. (laughs) Uh, Why did we buy the Silpat mats? Uh, We bought them kind of for the same reason as... Well, not the same reason as the griddle. So I've tried about the griddle and was on a little sustainable uh, cookware kick. We were running low on parchment paper. And I was like, I wonder if there is a sustainable answer to parchment paper. And then you were like, I told you about these things like three years ago. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you did? <laughs> and then you told them, you told me about them again. Uh, and so we bought them in replacement of parchment paper. Yeah, they're silicone mats, and these are, like, the brand name ones that they apparently use in professional kitchens, Mm -hmm. some sort of marketing copy, etc. Yeah. Um, They're French. I don't know. (laughs) I felt like... They're French. They're professional. (laughs) I felt like if we were going to do it, we should get the ones that, like, people actually recommend by name, because now they've been knocked off a bunch of times, so basically any, um, like, sustainable store will sell you like yeah. silicone baking mats but and they weren't honestly that expensive i so, i think it was like 20 bucks a piece or something yeah i feel like that sounds right uh i wish i knew but do your own research but yeah i bought them i bought them from like william and sonoma actually 
Yeah, I think they were like 16, 20, in that range. So it wasn't like that expensive compared to even some of the knockoff brands out there. Um, And I obviously don't bake, so I have no feeling about it whatsoever, but I had just heard about them and was like, oh, this looks like a way that we could replace something that we're frequently throwing away. Because we do bake on cookie sheets like pretty often, not only baked goods, but also dinner stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just made sense. Um, and they've been pretty good so far. Uh, pretty easy. Sometimes they get a little crusty, and cleaning them is kind of fun, because we watched this YouTube video of this lady <laughs> who was very about getting her slip mask clean. Um, and you just cover them in baking powder in your sink and then turn on warm water. But you don't, like, swish it around. You have the baking powder just, like, naturally kind of dissolve. If you have two, like we do, you can layer them on top of each other so that the baking powder lasts longer. You just fill up your sink with water and let it sit in there for 10 minutes, and then you scrub it. And that strategy has been working, honestly, pretty well. There's still a few little, like, uh, like, kind of burn spots, like, the way you might expect them to get uh, when things don't come out. But it doesn't affect the, like, non-slippiness of it. I feel like the nature of all kitchen products is to slowly move toward discoloration. Yeah. And I don't really know like how to combat that or what to do about it because it bothers me all of the time with baking sheets. <laughs> and I mean, I guess that's why we have these silpat mats so that our baking sheets don't get discolored, but it's just sort of like, how am I to combat this? Like I want to keep my things nice and I don't know that our things like aren't nice. It's just sort of like, baking with things discolors them i don't know someone write in and tell me about it <laughs> we're about to get a p.o box uh, <laughs> <laughs> please address all your mail to apartment 26 in new york new york <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah that's a slip math there's not too much to say they're nice um if you do a lot of baking would recommend um i think like I said, they're pretty cheap, and I think over the course of... I got them, honestly, right around the same time, so over the course of, like, eight-ish months, seven-ish months, I mean, they probably saved us money in terms of foil and parchment paper. Because, I mean, a lot of times, too, like, recipes will call for either parchment paper or foil, so we've been able to, to use these in place of foil as well. Uh, so they're pretty interchangeable. And just nice to have if you do a lot of cooking, a lot of baking. Cool. Yeah. So, obviously, I don't do, like, a ton of stuff in the kitchen besides, like, get food. Um, Make compost boxes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But something that I had really been wanting to do was grow herbs indoors. Uh, My first plants were indoor herbs, and we all remember how that went. (laughs) But I was really sort of missing growing things, especially because we didn't get a fire escape garden this year because of our timing of coming home. Mm, but we did, but it wasn't a, a full, full on one. Yeah, it wasn't, we didn't get like the whole like lush, exciting sort of vibe. It was very much a winter vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and so I really wanted to like grow herbs indoors and I've seen for a long time these mod sprout grow bars, which are basically just like strips of LED grow lights. And all of the plant influencers have them. Like, it's not a, um unknown product by any means. But we've never had anywhere to put one. And that's because our kitchen counters are always taken up by bullshit. Because mm. there aren't many of them. 
and like we have to have the drying rack and we have to have the microwave and we've been talking about this microwave off and on for like a thousand years yeah and done so many different things with it the microwave has to be within reach of the one outlet and the whole fucking place like it's a whole thing but i finally like in a fit of rage like convinced Donnie that I could find a small enough microwave (laughs) that it would still fit all of our things for microwaving, but we could store it under the counter and like bring it out when we needed to use it so that that whole counter space was available for growing herbs. Mm -hmm. So I bought a Black & Decker microwave, actually, fun fact. Hmm. Um, only because it was the sm- like highest rated smallest microwave I could find. The other one is give the- me your best tiniest microwave, please. <laughs> yeah, basically, well, so we had had the microwave that we had for five years. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's um, what I thought. Huh? And I had picked it because it was like the most reasonable microwave under a hundred dollars. It wasn't even. It was like the first microwave under a hundred dollars that I saw on Target's mm-hmm. website. Yeah. Someone um, uh, doing Target's SEO. Good work, good work. Yeah, but that thing was a beast. It was like a massive microwave, and it was so heavy, and there was no way we would be lifting that in and out of the cabinet to use it. Yeah, we used to do it on our little car, and we would push it, and it'd be like doing an ab workout. Yeah. To wheel it around. To like wheel it at one angle, and then back. So this time, and I mean, it worked fine. Like I had no complaints about the actual microwave. But this time in doing actual research, I like looked at the dimensions of the shit and also read some reviews. (laughs) Did math, read reviews. (laughs) And the other one was, um, I forget what it's called, but it's like the little retro looking microwave that Shavonda Gardner has. Mm. And they're about the same size, but that one was sold out like everywhere. Mm. So the Black & Decker one was sort of the one. And, um, bought it. I mean, there, there was no, like, <laughs> stress there. I just bought one. And, um, donated our bigger microwave to our local free store. I, like, Woo. yeah. They were mostly clothing and, like, household goods and stuff. But I DM'd them and was like, do you want this? And they were like, um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I, like, roll up in this lift. And the poor lift driver was, like, helping me get it in and out of the trunk. I think because they think that's a service you want. But I just, like, mostly felt bad because that thing weighed, like, 50 pounds. Yeah, And... I, like, rolled up and was like, um, I DM'd you and someone said I could bring this. (laughs) I don't know. It was a mess. (laughs) They took it. Um, it's fine. (laughs) And then we sort of, like, did this massive kitchen reorg just to be able to fit the microwave under the counter. Which it does. Yeah, I feel like the microwave was, uh, a, uh, linchpin? Is that the term? Maybe. Definitely a tipping point. I know that, but, like, I think I feel like it's a better term for like the thing you pull and it all falls apart. That would be a linchpin, I believe. Yeah, it was a linchpin. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So moving that and then trying to make space for that led to the whole uh, whole thing. Well, how many years ago was it that we did our first kitchen reorg? I don't know. Like two, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe two. I feel like it's a good exercise to do every so often because. Yeah, I wasn't saying it. Like Needs it change and lifestyles change. Well, I feel like bad thing. it's not something that I would sort of naturally do, but like when it happens, it's like, oh, we should have done that a while ago. Yeah. I mean, that feels like the case in most things. It's probably true, yeah. 
So yeah, so we needed to make room for it, uh, which meant, which ooh, excuse me, which meant that a lot of stuff needed to be shifted around, and that <laughs> bled into the drawers as well. Um, I don't really have too much to say about it. I don't remember most of the. I mean, I remember it, but most of the work honestly been pretty boring to pot about. We just like move pots and pans around and like <laughs> tested them in different spots. It wasn't that exciting of a reorganization. It felt exciting, like for us because it made it feel like a new kitchen space but like fundamentally our kitchen looked pretty much the same with the exception of the new grow bar yeah so i also got myself a grow bar just because i really did want to try it and it plugs into that one outlet that we have and is attached to the bottom of our cabinet with like sticky pads Mm um which i assume will come off when we move but i guess we'll figure that out yeah question mark um it has an app and it's like controlled and on a timer and stuff through the app. Honestly, I find the app to be very annoying and sort of wish you could just program it on the grow bar, but you know, neither mm-hmm. here nor there. And then we got um, from Cocoa and Seed, which we have mentioned before. Yeah. We got these little herb grow kits, but we got the hydroponic ones. Yeah, getting weird. We had previously gotten the just regular soil ones and put them out on the fire escape, but. I don't know. I listened to the owner of Cocoa and Seed on a podcast, and she was saying that hydroponic growing is like really easy, and that beginners actually prefer it. And I was like, okay, well, let's see what's up with this. Um, that basically just means there's no soil; the roots go directly into water. Mm-hmm. And it did work. Yeah, worked really well. It was pretty wild. Yeah. Um, I would say, like, I don't know if I recommend the grow bar. I I wanted it to be a little bit stronger than it is. Mm. We definitely got some legginess in our ah, it's a good good term. Our herbs, um, yeah. And so I wish it had a little more daylight vibe. Um, but they all grew, and our tomato plant actually like grew too much yeah i forget that tomatoes always grow too much and it like popped off and wouldn't fit under the counter anymore so then we had to move it under the grow light in the bedroom yeah and then the whole thing happened with the dresser and so it had to be moved again and i think that's what killed it yeah i mean i don't know if that's exactly what killed it i think could have moved a lot i think it just needed to like be outside it grew too fast for its own good (laughs) only the good die young (laughs) Um, it needed to be like outside doing its thing. And if we put it outside, the cold would have just killed it. It was just like, yeah, it, yeah, it just RIP. But we got like four or five baby tomatoes. Yeah, it was pretty yummy. And then our herbs, we got some good herbs for a while. They kind of, I think what you were saying about the light kind of did them, did them in. They got leggy, is that what you said? Yeah, especially <laughs> at the stage where the seeds were just sprouting. Mm-hmm. They weren't able to grow really like strong stems yeah at that point because they were really reaching for light and so like our cilantro had a pretty good yield but it all sort of like flopped over yeah it's pretty wild because the initial stem that grew wasn't particularly like strong and interestingly later parts of the stem were really strong and you could see it like really developing but that sort of initial seedling stage was pretty weak yeah you think that's because of the light i do yeah Mm. Um, and the mint was really slow, mm-hmm. but sort of like came into its own. And then we did lose the chard because of the legginess. It couldn't support itself. Uh, and so it never really leafed up. Yeah, it's a sad day. I really want to grow chard. And like, spoiler alert, we bought some chard seeds for the fire escape garden this year. And I really hope it works out because I like chard. Stay tuned. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and then we got sort of like one full yield out of the herbs. And I don't know if that's because we still don't know how to harvest herbs or if it's sort of like these sort of seed kits really are just sort of like one yield and then they don't really regenerate. Mm. My like goal, whatever, like Matt, you know, like life goal or wow. whatever is to have like one herb plant that just like continuously sort of yields and grows and becomes like large. But I don't know if that's even really possible if they're really perennials in that way. I don't know. I mean, that basil we have was the basil of the fire escape, but it's certainly not large, but it's, Chug it along. There are like five leaves on that basil. Right basil now. is alive, Jordan. <laughs> okay, well, I want there to be like a basil bush. Okay. <laughs> that we can harvest like over the course. That we're not like, oh, if we harvest it right now, will the plant die because it won't have any leaves? <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is we need to smack talk our basil. It's doing its best. <laughs> I'm not trying to smack talk the basil. It's our fault. I'm just saying, like, my goal is. Maybe so... we gave the basil some worms. <laughs> Okay, we're not we're not talking about worms anymore. We're moving on. Um, no, we're not actually. I'm going to so cocoa and seed cells like you can get the whole hydroponic kit or you can get refills for the hydroponic kit mm. that come with the little seeds and starters and stuff. And so I want to order some more of those because we have the kits and they worked well. Yeah. Um, kids are great. Yeah, love cocoa and seed. But she's currently restocking, and I guess her suppliers have been slow because of COVID. So mm. I'm waiting for that restock, and once it happens, I'll be getting some new things for the kitchen garden. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think as a uh, first first experiment is good. It was cool to grow stuff, too, during the winter. And it was nice. To, it was just, like, nice to have a light, to have, like, grow lights because yeah. it gets so dark. Be like, oh, I am photosynthesizing now. <laughs> I love having grow lights. I had never had one until I bought that big cactus, but um, we'll probably have them forever now. We'll also have plants forever, but forever. like they are really mood improving as well. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. So after moving stuff around, <clears throat> one thing that we'd always talked about, joked about, half joked about, was having a little bar cart, but we're never in the space. We also like, like Jordan doesn't drink slash can't drink. And I rarely drink now, um, so it was like, like why would we take up the space? But it always felt kind of nice to have one, and it always, uh, and my life goal dream thing, <laughs> thought it'd be pretty bougie and cool to have one. So we already have a cart, and the microwave, as I mentioned long ago, used to sit on it, and we'd turn it towards the outlet, and then that moved to the thing, and now it was underneath. So we finagled the cart space to actually be a like, cute little bar space. Um, but there's not too much. I have a little Jameson cocktail kit that I got from my grandparents' house. It's like a nice, uh, steel, maybe? Kind of steel? Sure. Yeah, steel looking. Uh, one, there's like a, a stout mug. We have our shot glass. We have like a fancy bar shot glass that you got, the like, <laughs> the single or double thing. That, uh, that was a gift once. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As like a part of a gin mixing kit. Oh, nice. Um, I think that's it. A little book of mocktails we got from one of the non-alcoholic things we tried. Maybe something else. That, oh, and our fish bottle opener. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very important. Well, what had sort of happened was that at the beginning of coming back from Arizona, we started realizing that we were buying a lot of food. Mm -hmm. And, like, we have always sort of bought more food than I think a lot of people do um, because we account for, like, making all of our meals, mm. whether that works or not, you know. But, like... <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, we have like a lot of snacks and we have like a lot of meal stuff. Um, but obviously we never leave this apartment. So literally every piece of food we eat was like in the apartment and we were going strong on snacks. And oh, no, like, no, no, no. there was just sort of like food everywhere and like cereal boxes don't fit <laughs> in our cabinet. And we were really going hard on cereal for a while there. Yeah, so like the cart was like covered in food anyway. And that was getting really stressful for me personally. Uh, yeah, that's right. It was kind of like a cereal bar for a minute there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so as part of the reorg, I was like, okay, can we get all of this food in the cabinet? And then maybe if stuff has to come out of the cabinets, it can be stuff that like looks nice on the cart Mm. and has some function. Also, we've been buying a lot of um, gin replacements. Mm -hmm. So there was some like, quote unquote, alcohol around. (laughs) Getting rowdy. Um, And then... Then. We decided mm-hmm. to buy a seltzer maker. We did. We've been <laughs> thinking about it. Then we bought so much seltzer uh, that Jordan became the favorite customer of a small seltzer company. I and... think we've talked about this before. We talked about Warabora, and mm-hmm. I think it was post that email. <laughs> so, like, nice. the whole story is out there. And actually, what had happened was we were waiting for the Ouroboros order. We made in January, mm. and they had a lot of holiday delays because they went on Shark Tank. Oh, yes, yes. Um, and so we'd been waiting for the seltzer for like a month, and also when we buy the amount of seltzer that we were drinking, our fridge is just full of seltzer. Yeah. And it's really untenable. Out of control. And really stressful. So carbonated. And so expensive. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, yeah. This is a wild time. We were uh, living large behind the seltzer chain. But then I, I literally felt like so, seltzer makers were a gimmick. Okay. Like, Jordan did not believe. A, I don't drink straight seltzer. I'm not going to drink unflavored seltzer. You can't make me. <laughs> B, I don't want to like flavor the seltzer with those little like flavor packs because it reminds me a lot of remember when like flavoring water was really in mm. and you would like stir in those packs mm-hmm. and... I can't with that. Yeah, <laughs> it feels pretty, like too gross. Yeah, that was a bad time. That was probably, uh, yeah, if the aliens find it, <laughs> I think that'll be marked as uh, a bad thing. And the thing that I really liked about Ouroboros Seltzer was like how herbal it was. So I knew that if we were going to replace it by making our own, we were going to have to come up with like our own flavors and mm-hmm. it was going to be sort of like a big thing. Yes. I don't really know like what broke me you know what it was my friend at work was like i just got a seltzer maker and it's fucking bomb <laughs> and, and then i was like oh man i've been thinking so hard about this <laughs> peer pressure broke jordan <laughs> he actually has a different one hmm. um but your friend brady mm-hmm. has a soda stream mm-hmm. and also so i've never heard someone with a seltzer maker Poorly review their seltzer maker. That is pretty true. Yeah. He really likes the soda stream. Yeah. Shout out to Brady. Thank you for the advice. We asked him a lot of questions about it. Yeah. And I... Many soda stream texts. I looked into a number of different brands and I went with soda stream because I think at the time it was on sale for $85. Hmm. And then the way that they do their canister replacement was seemed easiest mm-hmm. to me. That, like, you get you get one canister with the thing, 
And I bought an extra one. So we have two. Mm -hmm. The one that's in the thing and then the extra. And then you can order replacement canisters. And those canisters come, like you take them out of the box. You put your empties in and they come with a UPS label. So you can just drop them off at UPS without waiting in line. Hooray! And that felt to me like sort of the easiest way to go about it. You can also return the canisters at various places. I guess Bed Bath & Beyond takes them back. Mm -hmm. uh, Target takes them back. So like if you were going to buy the canisters at those places, that would make sense. We're not going anywhere right now. So that's not really for us. But like, yeah, that's it. That's not really for us. But it seemed easy to sort of like get new canisters in the mail, put the old ones in the box and just sort of like drop them off at UPS. Yeah. Maybe in the after times, just walk and not deal with the shipping altogether. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we did it, and it's been a fun adventure so far. I definitely uh, blew up a few bottles to start. We had to watch another YouTube video <laughs> of a nice older woman explaining how to use it, and that really changed our lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were sort of just uh, pressing the button with a bandit at first. Well, so I will say it comes with the IKEA instructions that are like all pictures and no words. <laughs> um, <laughs> It was really unclear as to how much you're supposed to press the button. Like, at first we were really reticent, and then we were just drinking, like, straight-up water. Yeah. Um, And then after that, we were, like, going too hard on the button, and everything was, like, overflowing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) One week I was, like, looking for towels, and so I usually do laundry on, like, I don't know, Wednesday, Tuesday, Uh, and so this was, like, Thursday of the preceding week, I was like, oh, where's all our towels? <laughs> and it turns out that we just blew up the seltzer bottle so many times that all of our towels just got fucked up. Yeah, it was not a great showing. Um, but we got that under control, yeah. I think. Phew. Yeah. And we've also been, like, on a flavored water hustle. So mm-hmm. at the beginning wow. of the I week... I love that you called it a hustle. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for Apartment 26 Flavored Water. <laughs> Come for you, Soda Paul. Stream See you on Shark Tank. <laughs> that was aggressive. Okay, um, no, I, like I said, I will not drink it without flavor, but I didn't want to buy the flavors, so every week we set up the two plastic pitchers we have with just, like, water in the mm-hmm. fridge and some various flavorings. Um, I think that one of our very successful ones was lemon mint. Yeah, it was great. Liked that. We've done uh, cucumber mint as well as... Mm, also yummy. Was it cucumber basil that we did? Yeah, it was the very first one, I think. Mm. It was... It's sort of just like whatever's around. Like, it's a good way to use up leftover herbs. Mm-hmm. Um, done some citrus ones. We have extra lemons or limes lying around. Yeah. Uh, we did berries this week because we had extra uh, frozen berry bags from smoothie stuff so that was all right berry is a little sweet for me yeah i think though it might have been better if we'd had an herb with it Mm. i just ordered some more like weird herbs like herbs that you can't get at the grocery store necessarily Mm -hmm. to do intense flavors with so we'll report back on how that goes yeah we'll uh, market test it before we (laughs) start bottling a pot for 26 water (laughs) Um, yeah, so... Our tagline could be, it's that New York water. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is coming together. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I honestly, like, could not tell when we bought it if it was really going to replace buying seltzer for us or if I would kind of just, like, ignore it. And honestly, I use it every fucking day. <laughs> yeah. This is what uh, friend Brady had told me. He's like, yeah, I use it every day. I love it. Totally replace seltzer. I was like, oh, that's cool. I wonder if it'll do it for us. And it 100% has. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is not a paid spot, but it is a ringing endorsement of seltzer machines out there. <laughs> Also, um, because we have, like, it comes, you have to use the bottle they give you to fit mm. into the machine. Um, you can buy extra bottles, but that seems like way too much. Like, I'm, like, drinking out of the bottle is not the experience, you know? Like, I pour it into my cup. Um. <laughs> into my seltzer cup. <laughs> <laughs> It is my everything cup, and when it is full of seltzer, it is my seltzer <laughs> cup. <laughs> um, I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, so, yeah, it's it's a bottle, and we have to clean it, and so we bought some bottle brushes. Donnie has always been a fan of bottle brushes, and he has a big okay. one for all of his uh, kefir mason jars. Mm-hmm. I had never had a bottle brush before we moved in together. I guess, like, maybe I didn't brush my bottles, or maybe, like, I didn't have bottles to brush. I don't really know. <laughs> um, but his bottle brush is too big for this bottle. Oh, and you know what? We have the olive oil bottle that we'd always been like, oh, mm. we should clean this and, like, have no way of doing so. So we always just sort of, like, squeeze soap in and shake it. Um, so I bought two new bottle brushes, one that fits in the soda stream bottle, one that fits in the um, olive oil bottle. I don't know if we've used that one yet. No, I don't think we have. We'll have to do it. We're almost out mm. to be able to. Where did you get them from? I don't remember. Didn't you give them somewhere vaguely you go? Yeah, Helen Milan, which is where we get the towels we like from. Mm. And I had to look a lot of places. I think there was a run on bottle brushes too during quarantine, but I'm really glad that I landed on these. What were you, you were I was just going to say, probably because everyone was buying soda streams. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> true. We definitely, like, jumped on the bandwagon, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, we're not trendsetters. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm glad I got these because they are wire and mm. then, like, an organic brush material. And a lot of them were not, like, as eco as that. So I'm glad that... But that's what we ended up with. And they were really cheap. They were like a couple bucks each. So it was Man. a good deal, too. Yeah. Yeah, they're nice. I mean, the one, I've only used the uh, soda stream size one, but it's a nice one. Uh, so this one is a pretty new purchase. Um, but I've been talking about getting a dehydrator for a very long time. Pretty much the entire time we've lived here, at least, if yeah. not longer. I've always wanted it to make snacks, and in particular snacks for hiking. And so I finally broke down and decided to buy a dehydrator. Um, like literally last week. Yeah, happens to be fast. So don't have too much to report on it. Made my first dehydrated thing yesterday. Dehydrated some extra cilantro we had. Um, and it went very well. So we're going to start doing other stuff. And I'll report back. I mean, it seemed pretty easy. Like there yeah. are very straightforward instructions. And you hit the button and it just sort of goes. Yeah, I think the tricky thing will be if I want to start doing, like, jerkies, stuff like that that takes a little more prep. Yeah. Um, and then some veggies, I guess. The the one I got, I just got a uh, Hamilton Beach one. Um, 
One of it's one of the all plastic. <laughs> Very not ego. Uh, it's one of the all plastic ones that just like has a fan at the bottom that just pushes through air. It's not like anything wicked fancy or electric. And I read it is it, electric. You have to plug it in. Right, but some of them are like little easy bake oven looking mm. things. Is what I mean. Um, and I'd heard that those are actually not as good, and they're usually wicked expensive <laughs> in comparison. Um, yeah, and this works fine. Yeah, it'll get tricky trying to do those more involved things, I think. Yeah, I'll report back when I do stuff like that. Like some of the veggies need to parboil according to this recipe book. Sorry, I lost my train of thought, but I found it again. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so it came with a little recipe book, and some hardier veggies you're supposed to parboil, as I've said for the third fucking time now. Uh, if you want to do jerky and meat, you're supposed to pre-cook it, and then also post-cook it. So there's a little bit of work involved beyond just straight up dehydrating it so we'll report it seems a little difficult to me um like i feel like there's an alternate universe in which we're homesteaders but we're not homesteaders and so like if like jerky is expensive but for me personally it's like do i have time to marinate it pre-cook it dehydrate it and post-cook it like i don't know because i also have a job hmm so, I mean, TK, we'll see TK. what the situation is, but, like, I feel like you are more hype about it because you see, like, all of the cost savings because dehydrated food is incredibly expensive, like, yeah. sort of unnecessarily. Wow. And I see that, but also it's really a trade-off in time for all of that prep. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing is the the pre- and post-cooking will be a little tedious, but once it's in there, it's just in there for, I think, meat and hardier veggies are, like, six to eight hours. So it's not like... Yeah, know. I don't think using the dehydrator is difficult. It's sort of everything up to using the dehydrator that seems mm. like it could become difficult. Yeah, we'll see. I'll talk about it again in another kitchen update, let people know once I'm a little more uh, acclimated to it. Okay. Let people uh, know the full dehydrated experience. <laughs> but then, out of craft. Yeah, from a purely decor standpoint, we have had the curtains in our kitchen since we moved in. Because we needed curtains, I guess. Because <laughs> humans need curtains, even though they're terrible. And I have a crafting night on Wednesday nights with some of my friends, and I needed something to do. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll just like needle felt these curtains to make them cute. And I found some inspo on Pinterest of mm-hmm. like someone who had felted some vases with like some nice nature scenes. Wow. Um, vases. Damn. Yeah, it was a wet felting project. Uh, we yes. can't talk about wet felting right now. <laughs> I was needle felting. (laughs) And, um, yeah, they turned out really well, honestly, for something I freehanded because I'm not, like, a freehand artist by any means. But needle felting is really easy and makes you look way better than you actually are. So, (laughs) highly recommend. And I think the curtains turned out nice. Do you want to impress friends? Do you want to poke yourself in the (laughs) finger? Try needle felting. I don't uh, poke myself in the finger that often. That's you. I was going to say nice stuff about your curtains, too. Wow. <laughs> no, but they are very cute. Um, it leaves. You put an acorn in there, right? Yeah, leaves and flowers and uh, a couple of acorns, but not too many because it seemed autumnal. like... Yeah, it is pretty autumnal. I tried to put in, like, there's a little bit of pink mm. um, to sort of go for, like, a, a sort of season-neutral <laughs> color palette. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I did want to go, well, first of all, I was trying to use up felt that I had rather right. than buy new felt. And also I wanted to go for a sort of like neutral color palette that I thought would go with the walls. Mm. So there is like a lot of green and sort of like brown and yellow neutrals. I think it's cute. I mean, I think it works. The uh, curtains are like a little brownish too. So it kind of makes sense. Of that. I pause. I was trying to think of like a better term because they're not like brown. I don't know. They're like tan. They're like, yeah. they're not burlap, but they look like they could be burlap. Yeah. So there's something very fitting about it being kind of like an autumn scene at the bottom. I think it was really well done. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Apartment 26. For more info on the stuff we talk about on this episode, check out the show notes linked below. And follow us on Instagram at apt26podcast. See you next time.